Well, good morning, everyone. How are you on this beautiful Sunday? Good. Good to see everybody here. Hey, if this is your first time here, thanks for being a part of the journey this morning and checking us out. My name's Chad. I'd love to meet you at the end of our service. Uh, and if you didn't fill out a connection card and didn't stop by our guest services tent, we'd love for you to do that and take that out there. We'll give you a free T-shirt for being here this morning. And one of the things we'd love to say is, hey, try us for five weeks. Uh, after five weeks, you're either going to fall in love with us or you're going to go somewhere else. And uh, we'd love to give you the opportunity to check us out and to see if this is the right place for you. But, but welcome and thanks for being here this morning. Uh, before I get going this morning, a couple things I want to bring to your attention. Uh, Adam said something about Summer Lunch Bunch. It's going amazingly well. We just finished our sixth week. And we have handed out 2,308 lunches in six weeks, which is amazing. We've had 522 volunteers, too, that have made that happen. And so thank you. A lot of you have jumped in and been a part of that. Uh, you've told your friends and neighbors, communities are getting involved. One of the guys here works at a dental, um, a dental office and brought a bunch of stuff for, for dental hygiene last week. So it's just amazing to see how the, the, the community is coming together. This past week I had an opportunity to meet with uh, Jeff McKay, who's the lead district supervisor at our national night out at Lansdowne. And uh, he was so positive about this church. He said, you guys actually live out what you believe in this community. And that says a lot when the community is saying that about us. So thank you for being a part of that. There's still three weeks left. we got some holes. I'd love you to jump in and help with the Summer Lunch Bunch program with us. Um, one more thing be before we continue on. <laughs> Today's kind of a big day for me. You know, there's a little vote happening at the end of the service today to see whether you guys like me or not is basically what it boils down to, right? So uh, I have three or two younger brothers. One just started last week as a senior pastor of a church in Stillwater, Pennsylvania. And uh, there's probably a little competition between us, okay? So they affirmed him a couple weeks back, and he got 96% of the vote. I think you guys can beat that, all right? <laughs> I would really love to say, hey, dude, guess what? I beat you. Anyway, I think that's probably illegal for me to say that, but I'm going to throw that out there anyway. As we get started this morning, I got a little quiz I want us to take, and uh, it's an audio quiz. So there are four songs. We're going to play the beginnings of those songs, and here's what I want you to do. As soon as you know what the song is, I just want you to blurt out the answer, okay? Pretty simple. If you don't understand what I'm saying, you don't understand what we're doing, don't worry about it. You'll catch on about the fourth song. So here we go. Here's song number one. As soon as you know what it is, blurt it out. How many of you hate that song? Yes, you have been awakened by that song many, many, many times. Great job. You did a good job. All right, here's song number two. Nice. Pomp and circumstance. Yes, we usually hear those at graduations. Song number three starts out a little loud. Pretty easy, right? Simple stuff. Great song. Okay, and here's the last one. Starts out kind of quiet. You have to listen. All right, here we go, listen. <laughs> that one's just so great, isn't it? Let's just listen, soak it in. Yes. We're going to leave Jaws playing just for a moment as we kind of talk through these a little bit. You know, we hear those four songs and automatically we just takes a few bars of, of, of notes and, and we know exactly what the song is, right? We know Reveille. We know how much we hate it because it woke us up every morning. You listen to Pomp and Circumstance, and it reminds you of your high school or your college graduation, doesn't it? Or these days, preschool, kindergarten, first grade, second grade, third grade. I mean, all the way up. Every time you get out of a class, you, you graduate. 
And, and, and then we've got that next on there, Star Wars. As soon as my kids hear it, especially my son Jake's like, Dad, let's watch it. I mean, it's kind of has that, that connection with us. And then Jaws. How many of you do not go in the ocean anymore because of this movie and this song? Yeah, there you go. There you go. These songs, they're all connected to us in some way. I mean, whether it's culturally or it's a part of our life, we, we remember moments and experiences that we've had because of the beginnings of those songs. And it kind of brings that back to us right here at this moment. In our lives, we have all kinds of beginnings. The day you were born was a beginning. The day you first crawled, you first walked, you first said a word, your first day of school, that first kiss, the first time you, you drove a car with no one else in the vehicle with you, the day you did graduate, for real, uh, the day you started that first job, your first date, the day you were married, the day you retired, our lives are just full of all kinds of beginnings. And as we think back at all those beginnings, here's what's interesting about it. They all connect to each other. You do one, and then it kind of builds on the next one. It continues to build throughout our lives. Those beginnings are important to us. Uh, over the next five weeks, we're going to be in this series called Beginnings. And over this five-week period, we're going to look at five specific beginnings that we find in the Bible. And here's what's so cool about them. Each one of them connects to the one before it. There's some part of the story that connects to that next beginning. And we see that throughout this whole book. It really pulls this whole book together. But what's even more interesting, it's not just this book that connects. We connect to the beginnings that are in this book ourselves. And so over the next five weeks, we're going to look at these five different beginnings. And so as we think about beginnings this morning, we might as well start at the beginning. So if you have a Bible, you can turn to Genesis chapter 1. Genesis 1, if not, we'll put it up here on the screens beside me. Uh, you can open up your Journey Church app, hit the notes button and follow along there or in your program today. But we're going to be looking at Genesis chapter 1. And we're going to start with verse 1. It says, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. If you were to ask me, Chad, what is your favorite verse in all of Scripture, I would tell you it's Genesis 1-1. Because I think everything that I believe, everything that I'm about, it all connects back to those ten words. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And if you think about those words, really, if you were to take some time, just kind of soak them in, there's a lot of information in those ten words. In fact, if you look at it, we, we've got the in the beginning part. So we have a, a start to our story. There's this beginning point. There's this once upon a time moment. There's this call me Ishmael moment that you know there's more story that's going to come after this first little part. That this is just the start of this incredible story in the beginning. But not only do we know this is the starting point, but we also know who our main character is. In the beginning, God. And so God is going to be the focus of the story. God is going to be the focus of the pages that go beyond what we read here in Genesis 1-1. We know who our story is about. But then what do we find God has been up to? Not what God is doing, but what God has already done. It says, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Notice that's a past tense there. It's already been done. It's finished. But as we look through the rest of Genesis 1... What we find is it describes what has taken place. It describes what God has already been up to. Look at Genesis 1-2. It says, Now the earth was formless and empty. Darkness was over the surface of the deep, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the waters. Here's God's canvas. And what's this canvas look like? It looks like chaos. Now look at the words that we have here. Formless, empty, darkness, 
deep. Now, I don't know about you, but that doesn't sound like paradise to me, does it? Sounds more like Redskins training camp to me. I don't know. Did I lose a couple of votes right there? Probably did. Okay. And I don't even care because I'm a Cowboys guy. Anyway, there you go. That was probably even worse to say today. I'll give you $5. If you, I, I got to get away from the voting thing. Anyway, it's no big deal. Um, but there's chaos all around. And, and if you look in here, what's in the midst of all this chaos? A spirit of God. The Hebrew word there for spirit is wind or breath. And in fact, if you kind of go a little bit deeper into it, here's what you find. That, that wind, that, that breath from God is really this power. It's this force that emanates in God and through God and all around God. And so we have this, this force, this power that is there in the midst of all of this chaos. But you notice the Spirit of God is not just hanging out. The Spirit of God isn't in this hammock on the beach watching the waves crash because none of us that, that, you know, <laughs> have been created at that point. Uh, drinking a fruity drink. This isn't what God is doing. God is moving. And not only is God moving throughout this chaos... God begins to act. God begins to make things happen through this spirit. Now, we're not going to read through the, the creation elements that, that come up, but let me just hit those quickly for you. Day one, it says God creates light and dark. Day two, the sky. Day three, we have the land, the sea, and the vegetables are created, which a lot of kids are like, I wish you hadn't created vegetables that day. But vegetation was created. And what does it say? God saw that it was good. Day four, sun, moon, and stars, God saw that it was good. Day five, birds and fish, God saw that it was good. And then day six comes around. It's a busy day for God. God creates the land animals, and God saw that it was, it was good. Out of this chaos, God creates all of these different elements to the world on this vast canvas that is there. But notice that God wasn't done. God had one more piece of art and wanted to create. We read about it in verse 26. It says, Then God said, Let us make human beings in our image, in our likeness, so that they may rule over the fish and the sea and the birds and the sky, over the livestock and all the wild animals, and over all the creatures that move along the ground. So God created human beings in his own image. In the image of God, he created them, male and female. He created them. One last creation. One last piece of art, and that was humanity. And then God looked at everything that he had created at that moment, culminating in the creation of humanity, and God saw that it was very good. Uh, that tells me a lot about us being created by God and the importance that we hold in the creation story. God says, my work of art is complete. Now, we look at Genesis 1-1 and we read through that or we hear it read to us. And what do we do? We begin to decide at that moment what we think about God. We begin to define God by that Genesis 1 creation story. And so when we read that and we talk about it in a place like this, there's one group of people in here. We're kind of like, hey, this is great. I love this. This is wonderful. I mean, God created everything in six days and there were 24-hour days and the earth is young. It's about 6,000 years old. Man, yeah, 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 we're talking about some good stuff today. And so your foundation of faith really builds out of that picture of, of the creation story. On the other side, there's another group 
we hear this story, and, and you get to a place, you're kind of cringing a little bit. You're like, I don't really know if that's all true. I, I mean, it, it's in there, but, but science says otherwise. Evidence shows other things. And, and, you know, I've studied this, and I've done a lot of research on it. And so for me, you know, I'm, I'm more on the evolution side. And, and guess what? Your foundation of faith begins there for you. And, and then there's another group. It's sort of a newer group that kind of says, hey, I believe God created everything, but at the same time I think there's evolutionary process within that creation. And you're kind of the confused group right now trying to figure everything out, and that's okay. But you're, you're looking at this and you're trying to figure out this whole story of creation. Where do you kind of fit in this? But you also define your faith. Your foundation in your faith comes from this creation story. And so what do we do when we read about creation? When we read Genesis 1-1, we begin to take sides. Not only do we begin to take sides, we begin to ask other people, hey, what side are you on? So I thought, when we talking about this, we might as well just get that out in the open today. So we're going to have you raise your hand if you agree. I'm just kidding. We're not really going to do that. <laughs> that would be really awkward, wouldn't it? Um, but that's what we do. We take sides when it comes to something like the creation story. We're kind of torn. We're trying to figure it out. But we're not alone. Stephen Hawking is one of the most brilliant people in the world. And here's what he said in 2006. He said, the odds against a universe like ours emerging out of something like the Big Bang are enormous. I think there are clearly religious implications. It would be very difficult to explain why the universe would have begun in just this way, except as the act of a God who intended to create beings like us. Creation people are like, woohoo, yeah, Stephen Hawking's on our side. Five years later, 2011, documentary, Did God Create the Universe? Hawking said, I believe the simplest explanation is there is no God. No one created the universe and no one directs our fate. This leads me to a profound realization there probably is no heaven and no afterlife either. We have this one life to appreciate the grand design of the universe and for that I am extremely grateful. The question is, which is it? Which is it? Is it creation? Is it evolution? Is it some connection? Let me just pause for a moment. If you ever decide to go into ministry and it's the day they're voting on you to be the senior pastor for the church, do not do this topic, okay? Do not go here. Like a month ago it sounded great and this week I'm like, ooh, maybe not. But anyway, here's the deal. We're asking the wrong question. We're asking the wrong question. We ask the question, is it true? The right question is, why? Why does the Hebrew writer share this information with the reader? There has to be a point to this story. And I'm afraid when we read this story and when we're taking sides, we're missing the point of the whole story itself. The Hebrew writer is not trying to be scientific in what he puts into the writing here. He's not trying to prove anything. The only thing that the Hebrew writer wants us to understand is the story of creation is the beginning of a story about a relationship. And that relationship is with God and humanity. That's what the, the, the Genesis story is about. That is what the beginning story is about. That is what the creation story is about, this relationship with God and humanity. Now, so many times we read this and we think, well, what else were they going to write? What else were they going to believe? That's all there was at that time. No, it wasn't. There were all kinds of creation stories from different countries and different people groups. But here was the difference. In those stories, the gods, with an S, would battle each other. And they would fight. And the outcome of that battle, those fights, would be the earth would be created. And humanity would come from those battles and fights. 
But the job wasn't for the gods and the humans to interact with each other in a healthy way. It was for the humans to take care of all the needs of the gods. The gods said, hey, this is my life. I need you to take care of me. I'm going to enjoy life. Now, your job is to be a slave to me. Almost every single creation story we find says that, except for one, this one. And this one is very different. This one God in the beginning created the heavens and the earth. And this one God created humanity as the last piece of art to say, you are incredible. You are amazing. You're not here to serve me just for my pleasure. This is about a relationship with you and me together. It's a story behind the creation story that we read here, this intimate connection that God desires for humanity with him. And how do we know it's intimate? Look at verse 7 out of chapter 2. Genesis 2, 7 says, Then the Lord God formed a man from the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life. And the man became a living being. Another one of my favorite verses, God breathed his spirit into humanity. God breathed his spirit into humanity. He didn't breathe it into plants. didn't breathe it into celery or the land or wells. He breathed it into humanity. Think about that. Isn't that a beautiful image of, of who God is and what we are to God? God gave us, the way I think about it, God breathed into us God's divine DNA. And it's in our souls and in our bodies. It's a part of who we are. This is why God wants that intimate connection with you and with me. And the creation story, that's why he created us, to be in this bond, this connection, this relationship with God. Notice God didn't say, hey, I created you. Things are good. Here's a deal. Enjoy your life. Go have fun. Do whatever you want to do. I'm going to take a little bit of a vacation. I've been a little busy for a little bit. I'll be back in a few millennia and we'll talk then. That's not what God does, right? God says, no, I want to know you. I want to be connected to you. I want to, I want to build this relationship with you because I breathed a part of myself into you. Uh, I think one way to think about this are uh, kids. My wife, Kara, and I have three kids, two daughters and uh, a son. And, um, you know, we, when we created them, we brought them into this world. <laughs> it wasn't like, hey, we're glad you're here. Now here's the deal. I know you're three, year, three days old, but um, we're taking a little vacation. We're going to be gone for a few decades. You need to take care of yourself. Figure out how you're going to eat. Figure out how you're going to put clothes on your body. Probably going to have to get a job in a couple of days. Go take care of yourself. We're out of here. Now, that's not why we have children, right? That's not why we adopt children. It's not why we bring kids into this world or we bring them into our family. We bring them into this world. We bring them to our family because we want to love them. We want to be connected to them. We want to help them. We want to care for them. We want to spend time with them. We want to do life together with them. We some days want to answer all 355 questions that they ask us every single day that never connect, never make any sense. But we love them enough. Take the time to answer those questions. Think about that relationship with God in that way, in those terms. Changes things a little bit for us. You have children or you've adopted children into your world. Why? Because you want to have that relationship with them. God created us. Why? So that we could have that relationship with God. We're created for that. And that is why the Hebrew writer focuses on that as that last creation to say you 
me. We're all important to God, and God desires that intimate bond and connection with him. And so when you go back and you read the Genesis story, when you go back and you read Genesis 1, or you hear people talk about it, I know there's always debates that can take place between creation and evolution, but here's what I want you to be reminded of. That story is about the relationship that God has with humanity. That story is about God putting God's divine DNA in each one of us. That story really, really and truly, it's a love story. It's a story of the love that God has for you and for me and for all humanity. If, in fact, if we scoot forward a, a few years into the New Testament in John chapter 1, verses 1 through 5, it says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through him all things were made. Without him nothing was made that has been made. In him was life, and that life was the light of all people. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. This love story, this beginning part of the story where it says, in the beginning God created the heavens and the earth, where God created humanity, it culminates in the story of Jesus. It connects to the story of Jesus. In fact, if you think about it for a moment, on day one, God creates light. There's darkness. God brings light into the darkness. And uh, John 1, what does it say God does with Jesus or who Jesus is? Jesus is a light in the darkness. From the very beginning of time, God has always brought light into the darkness. And with Jesus and this love story that we're a part of, that this, this book is all about, God sends light into this darkness that is our lives, that is the pain and the struggle and the hurts that we face. And God says, here's more light, more light to shine for you and in you and even through you. When I read that story of creation and I think about today, God's spirit, I think, still hovers. It still exists, that power, that force, it, it emanates from God into our lives through that divine DNA that you and I have been given. And I believe, if we're really honest, that story can remind us of God's love for us and that relationship that he desires for all humanity through Jesus. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. <laughs> the past tense means God has already done amazing things. And for us, if we think about those ten words, it means God has still done amazing things for us and will continue to do amazing things for us. Maybe we should start looking at the creation story a little bit differently than we have in the past. Maybe we should look at that story and be reminded that God loves us. God loves us in such a way that he brought light into the darkness. As we talk about that story, maybe you're thinking, well, what's my next step coming out of this? How do, I, how do I move forward with something like this? How do I take this and apply it to my life? Well, a few things I would say. The first is some of you in here, you kind of struggle with God. You, you struggle with, with who God is. Here's what I would say to you. We understand that. This is a safe place for you to be and to ask questions and to struggle with that relationship with God. 
for some of us in here, I know that we kind of grew up in um, maybe a home that had non-existent relationships. Dad was gone. Mom left at an early age. Uh, maybe there was, um, your parents worked all the time. And so there was no relationship with you. And so you define your relationship with God based on what happened growing up. Others of us have been in abusive relationships, uh, whatever that may be for you, physical, emotional, um, uh, sexual, whatever that may have been for you. And you know what you do? You, you define the relationship with God based on those relationships. Maybe you were in miserable relationships. Your, your family was just so dysfunctional. Your dating life has been dysfunctional. Your marriage, your marriages have been dysfunctional. And so you define your relationship with God based on those relationships. First, this is a safe place for you to bring all that in here to this place. And secondly, there's a God who wants to shine light into your darkness. And that relationship with God is so different than the human relationships that we have. But this is a safe place for you to be and to experience the love that God has for you. And by the way, we don't care how long it takes you to get to a place of, of building that relationship with God. It could take you years. We're fine with that. But let this be a safe place for you. Secondly, there's probably a group in here that you're thinking today, man, I, I need to have a deeper relationship with God. I struggled with that for so long, and I'm at a better place, and I've been following God, and, and now's the moment I need to say I'm all in. Maybe the day is the day you say I just need to be baptized. Maybe you want to talk about baptism. You can mark that on the connection card. You can hand that to me. You can put it in an offering plate a little bit later on. But maybe the day is the day you're like, I'm, I'm ready. It's time for me to take that step. I want to move forward with that. I'm going to be up here during the communion time. You can come talk to me about that. But maybe that's the place you need to be, to understand that finally this creation story is about this intimate relationship God desires for you with him. And then lastly, there's another group in here that I'm just going to say, stop debating the creation story. We tend to build tension and anger. Friendships explode because of this. Faith is lost. Now, granted, if you have a healthy conversation with people, go for it. But but why don't we point people to the real meaning of the story that the God has created us to be in this relationship with him. That's the story of creation. That's the part and the beginning of this love story. Let God's light shine through you and through the darkness of other people's lives and see what God can do through that. Maybe it's time for us to stop the debate and begin to love with the DNA that God has given us. Uh, this Genesis 1 story is full of stuff, basically. And there's a lot we know about it, and there's a lot we still don't know about what takes place here. But one thing we can know, we can be certain of, it's a story that begins, this, this life that, that you and I live that's connected to God's love for each one of us. And how amazing would it be if we took that story and if we're a follower of Jesus, we live that out every single day, that we understood Jesus was the light in our darkness, and now we can be a light in the darkness of the world around us. Those ten words are so powerful. They mean so much, not only in this book, but in our lives. And are we willing to live that out? In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. We come to a time within our service here at The Journey where we take communion as a church community. As we do that this morning, maybe you just need to say those ten words over and over in your head. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. 
And what does that mean to you? Do you understand the, 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 the power, the, the force that emanates from God's spirit because of that love God has for us? Now we celebrate that with the bread and the juice together in this place as a reminder that we're a part of this incredible love story that started in the beginning when God created the heavens and the earth. I want you to think about that and meditate on that on this morning. As we take communion together, maybe you just want to pray. We're going to have our prayer people up here in the front during communion time. Maybe you're just like, I just need to pray. I just want to pray about that relationship. I need some guidance. We'll come up here and pray with our prayer people. Maybe you want to talk about baptism. Come up here and talk to me during the communion time. But I just invite you to this moment to be reminded that God created us to love us and for us to love God back. Would you stand with me as you feel led, as the band plays and leads us? You can come up front. You can take a piece of bread. You can take the juice. Take it back to your seats. I'm actually going to invite you to stand up when you get back to your seats, and we're just going to worship together, and then we'll take communion together as a church community.